This is Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, the insightful, the witty, the intelligent, Mr. Nick Hodge. And this is the first live recording of Bizarro World, episode 42, live from the New Orleans Investment Conference. I wanna thank all of you for coming. We're competing with the bar, we're competing with Mark. It's 7.50 on a Sunday after a weekend in New Orleans. So you all should pat yourselves on the back. We're gonna talk about gold. We're gonna talk about the Fed. We would love some feedback towards the end. We're gonna talk uranium, deficits, the drivers for gold. But before we get into that, I'd love for you, Nick, to share how you got involved with the New Orleans Investment Conference. What got you here? And I wanna hear your uh, inauguration story for the New Orleans Conference as well, because they're quite different. So mine is that I was um, writing about uh, renewable energy stocks back in the day, right? In 2007, 8, 9, et cetera. How'd that work out? Um, it worked out really well <laughs> in the beginning when all the Chinese solar stocks were on the back page of the Wall Street Journal as the, you know, the biggest movers of the day and also the biggest volume of the day. And, and that went on for a bit until 2008 happened, of course. And that's when I started gravitating towards natural resources. But it was it was a company I was following called called NatCore that got me here because Brian London was um, and still is the chairman. And so um, he wanted to include a renewable energy part of the conference because, you know, it was it was exciting. And so I did. I came here. I was uh, much younger than I am now. It was seven years ago and I didn't know what I was doing or, or talking about and still don't know if I do. But... He only says that to rub in the fact that he's still younger than all of us, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was just excited to be speaking at the same conference as are you ready for this? It was Sarah Palin was the headliner that year. She was running with John McCain against um, uh, Barack Obama, right? And so my funny story about my first time speaking at the New Orleans Investment Conference is I brought my mother with me. Um, and, you know, we were all shell-shocked. We had never seen this before, the whole bar scene and everything like that. And um, one night, my mom stayed in the bar and I went to, to sleep because, you know, I had to do conference things the next day. And so I'm getting ready to go to bed. <laughs> I'm in my boxer briefs, right? I'm getting ready to turn the lights out. And there's You're a briefs man. <laughs> I'm a briefs man. All right. Uh, boxers. No, boxers. <laughs> I call them boxer briefs. Important distinction. So there's a knock on my door, right? Rat-a-tat-tat. And I'm wondering, what the hell's going on? Who's knocking on my door? And so I, I, I you know, peer through the keyhole and it's my mother and she, she's got with her uh, Todd Palin. <laughs> Sarah's Sarah's husband, right? Recently divorced Todd Palin. There you go. <laughs> and so um, they got to talking in the bar somehow. And, you know, he's a big hunter. And my, I guess I had just shot a deer. That's typically the case with me. And, um, you know, they were sharing stories about hunting and he wanted to see a picture of the deer. So my mom brought Todd Palin up to my room. So that's my first year of the New Orleans Investment Conference story. What's yours? Mine's an interesting one. I actually started on that side of it. So I called a company named Animas Resources. Like all of you, I was doing due diligence. I wanted to get into the resource space. I didn't know anything about anything. And I thought, well, let me call the company and ask some questions. And a gentleman answered and I, I called him one day and asked him a bunch of questions and he was kind enough to answer them. So I kept asking him questions and he kept answering them. And then I started emailing him and bothering him every week. And he kept answering them. And uh, about a month into it, he says, you know, you should come out to this New Orleans conference. And in my mind, I had never been to an investment conference before. I had never bought a junior resource stock. And I, I, I assumed that was meeting the IR person for Animas Resources. Um, I get to the conference, I meet the gentleman, and I quickly find out that the gentleman is the guy that put the, the entire deal together. The company had just gone public. The only reason he was answering the phone is because he was passionate about the deal, and he wanted to make sure that the introduction of the company was done correctly. 
um, this gentleman ended up becoming a friend and a mentor and somebody that really expedited the learning curve for me and you know pulled back the curtain um, we've seen and we're going to talk about it we're going to talk about mining degenerates and how to spot one here in a little bit but you know he really helped in advancing my knowledge of how the business works and it's a hard enough and a tough enough space when you're doing everything correctly so i think nick and i both have a passion for identifying things that that maybe should be red flags and then shining a spotlight to them and in hopes that we can get rid of some of that stuff so that's my very short introduction to the New Orleans Investment Conference. Subsequently, um, I was introduced to a gentleman by the name of Nick Hodge, and uh, here we are. Now I write two premium newsletters for the Outsider Club. Uh, Mr. Hodge and I co-own Resource Stock Digest, which is a website, it's a free website, um, lots of exclusive interviews with CEOs, mining analysts, uh, top minds in the business, a lot of good information, a lot of good content. I encourage everybody to grab a business card and check the site out if uh, we're proud of it. So what have you seen so far this year or what have you seen over the years that's that's changed or evolved and 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 bring it up to present day? You know, unlike Mr. Doug Casey, I'm actually enthused by what I see this year. I see a, a more diverse crowd. I see a younger crowd. I see more people here. I see females here. I see a, a variety of, of different people that we haven't seen in the space for at least three to four years. 2016, we had that head fake. Everybody thought the bull market was on. It's part of the reason why I'm calling this the most bearish bull market because nobody believes it. And a part of why nobody believes it is because of the head fake in 2016. A lot of people got in. We thought we had turned the corner. Very smart people in the business. Lost a lot of money. Lost subscribers a lot of money. And so it's, it's, it's a look in the mirror and you got to take it honestly and, and, and reassess. So that's what I've seen. I've, I've, I've been uh, encouraged by the crowd this year. You think it's um, just natural generational turnover? Or do you think that it's because, um, well, we're gearing up for a bull market if we're not already in one and people are starting to notice that? Or is it a combination of both? Weed, man. <laughs> you, you, Nick Hodge was on the Precious Metals panel yesterday and he, uh, he was asked about the sector rotation in the space and why the Australian uh, space has been on record highs. Um, they have some currency um, headwinds, obviously, that or tailwinds, I should say, that help them. But in fairness to Mr. Hodge, weed, man, was the right answer. They didn't have a cannabis craze. They didn't have a crypto craze to the extent that we had here and in Canada. So there was a lot of capital that was not directed to those other sectors. It stayed in the space. Also, in fairness to our Australian friends, they're very good at exploring developing, putting into production, doing it under budget. And kudos to them, because that's something that in our sector here in the US, parts of Canada and around the world, it's getting tougher to get a mine into production. And I think for anybody doing due diligence, that's a big one and it's gonna get bigger. Jurisdictional risk is something you should absolutely be laser focused on. Figure out not just the country risk, the county risk, right? You can be in Mexico. I, I, I had a great week last week. I woke up on my birthday, I turned 41 years old, and, and, and the first piece of news I got is that one of the companies I've recommended halted drilling because it was having issues with the locals. We've been expecting drilling for two years, we finally get it, and now it's not happening. In fairness, I don't believe it's an issue with the locals, I think it's an issue with management. That's another conversation. Later on that day, in the midst of my birthday celebration, I get another call from a gentleman who's always uh, kind enough to be the bearer of good news. And it turns out that uh, a second company that's expected to get its mining permit here in the next month 
That process was suspended. Now, the permit was not denied, but the process was suspended um, due to some hiccups with Semarnat, which is the local regulation, re regulatory agency that approves permits. So that was one day in my portfolio on my birthday. And so I'm familiar with Mexico. My family's from Zacatecas, Mexico. I have a lot of contacts there. I'm lucky enough to have contacts that have a lot of contacts. We think those things will be resolved, but it really is county to county specific. It, you can't generalize nowadays. And again, back to my original point, kudos to our, our Australian friends. They've done it the right way. I think one of the things I noticed, or at least I was thinking about today was, you know, how fast trends come and go in this mm. space. But the, the one thing that maintains has been gold. And this year, the trend is gold, right? People are here because gold's at $1,500. I was sitting at a uranium company's booth asking, you know, how has the traffic been? And he's like, you know, last year was really good, right? Uh, people thought the uranium bull market was coming. Uh, Section 232 had been filed. People were excited about the, the results on that being delivered and, and and this year nobody's been by his booth basically he was saying because everybody's here for silver and gold right because we're in a new gold bull market and then i was thinking back about you know beryllium and vanadium and lithium and how fast those things come and went but here we are going back to gold so let's get into gold we wanted to talk about price action we wanted to talk about i know you want to talk about fed and rates and, and things that you spend time watching so so what do you think everybody's everybody's here everybody's got an opinion what does gerardo think about gold I think for the past two years, I've written that I wasn't going to believe gold was in a bull market until I saw it rise alongside the dollar and alongside the major U.S. indices. And the reason is capital inflow from other countries. And so the bottom line is this. The U.S. is the cleanest, dirty shirt. We could complain about, you know, the deficit being at a seven year high. We can complain about the fact that the currency has been depreciated over the last five generations at the very least. Right. And we know how that ends. But we have to look at things not so much U.S. centric. We have to look globally. And if you look around the world, if you look at the Eurozone, Germany, the most productive economy in that zone is, is this close to a recession. That's a big deal. $17 trillion of negative interest rates, that's a big deal. You can invest in a company like Sprott, get a 4% dividend, and you're up 5.6% than some of your European counterparts. And so that's not sustainable. It's mathematically impossible for that to continue. It's a matter of how long they're able to kick the can down the road. And, and I believe we're coming to a crossroads in regards to that. So I believe this gold bull market is real. I also believe that the dollar is going to break triple digits. I think we're, the index is going to hit triple digits soon alongside gold, getting to 16, 17, 18, 1900, 2000. And I also think the U.S. stock market, the major indices are also going to continue higher. And I know it's a bit of a contrarian opinion. But the reason for it is capital coming from other parts of the world, because the bottom line is the U.S. is the safest place to invest right now. We're seeing at the end, please. We're seeing, um, you know, sort of what you what you've been saying, the dollar rising in, in, in tandem with gold. And it was just funny to me. You've been talking about this for a year or more. We've mentioned it on the podcast over the past 41 weeks. We've been doing it and now it's actually happening. And I was listening to some people on stage wondering why. And it's just maybe if you listen to the Bizarre World podcast, you might have had a little bit of insight as, as to what Gerardo thought about gold. So what's what happens next? Right. The question that everyone has been talking about here is. When are the juniors going to move? I, I talked a bit about it in my talk. I talked a bit about it on the on the mining share um, panel. And it seems that, you know, everybody wants the cash flow, right? The producers have been going. The ETF certainly money flows into. But what, what, what happens when for juniors? The short answer, I believe, is the first quarter of 2020. And the reason for that is it's tax law selling season. 
anybody that's been in the business for the last three years, unless you're a genius, and I'm no genius, <laughs> doesn't have a lot of green in their portfolio. That's just a fact. Um, there's been some exceptions, the Great Bears and, and a couple of other names that, that have done well. But the bottom line is people are offsetting whatever gains they have in other sectors or income by selling the losers. And I think the first quarter of 2020, it's going to be a rapid re-rating higher of the better names. And I'm talking companies that have, and we'll mention a couple at the end, but companies that have assets in the ground, in safe jurisdictions, access to the capital markets, an understanding of the capital markets, good share structures. These are all things that should be on your checklist for the first quarter of 2020. And I think the buying opportunity that we have between now and year end is, is, is an opportunity to create generational wealth. On that, let's be clear that what we're doing is speculating in the highest risk, highest reward sector out there. This is not investing. Don't kid yourself in the morning by looking in the mirror and saying, I am investing in the junior resource space because unless you're getting that 4% dividend, you're speculating. And so let's be honest about what that is. We want 10 baggers, 100 baggers. We want to turn 10,000 into 100,000 into a million. That's the game. You have to be able to weather the volatility that comes with that. And if that means, like I am on many positions, being down 50, 60% for a couple of years, that's a risk that I'm willing to take because I've defined my horizon and my timeline. I'm very specific about what I'm looking to do. I'm looking to play the cycle. I'm not looking to play the quarter or the year even. And it's different for everybody. That doesn't mean that your approach should be that. Everybody's approach is different but you should be very honest with yourself about what you're doing in the sector that we're playing in. I think that's precisely where we're at. I gave an interview to Kitco last week at the, the Silver and Gold Summit in San Francisco, and I was talking about um, you know, stuff I've written about, like how I equate junior mining speculators, not investors, I guess, uh, <laughs> to beaten dogs, right? We've just, you know, we're down a lot on some of the positions. You and I have written a lot of checks. People we know have written a lot of checks and, 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 and people I think are close to tapped out. So, you know, if the most ardent supporters and followers of the industry are, are there, then it's, it's gotta be, you know, at the very, very bottom for me, at least that's, that's my opinion. And, and, and to, to speak to your, your point about, um, tax loss, it's certainly that time. I mean, I'm evaluating my portfolio. I'd like to deploy some more capital um, into quality names. And so I talked about it the other day here on stage about, you know, reducing the amount of names you own so you can so you can focus on them more. And I think a lot of people are going through that right now, not only for tax loss, but to, to raise capital, to redeploy into into names they like. And so you talked about um, speculating versus investing, but you also wanted to talk about public versus private. So you want to get into that a bit? I do. Um, a part of the reason why I see the dollar headed higher, the major U.S. indices headed higher, gold headed higher, is the collapse in confidence in governments around the world. You look at Hong Kong, Brazil, Haiti, Peru, Argentina, the U.S. Pick a country. Pick a country on the map. Chile. Lebanon. Lebanon. We could continue. We, 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 we could throw a dart at a map and there's probably some chaos happening, right? And the reason is confidence in government is dying. People are realizing that the average citizen is realizing that elected officials aren't acting for the most part in their best interest and people are fed up with it. What that turns into is a move away from public assets and a move into private assets like gold, like the better junior mining companies, a small sliver of that capital, right? Um, the dollar, blue chip stocks in the US that provide a dividend. If you're a life insurance manager or a hedge fund manager in Germany and your tenure is negative, I believe it's 0.46 the last I checked, 
it's tough when your mandate is to return 7% every year. It's mathematically impossible and it's not sustainable. So that's, that, that's my take on that. I, 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 I think confidence in government is dying and it's, it's, it's why I disagree with Mr. Prechter as to where gold is headed and where the stock market is headed. Um, real estate, there certain sector, certain parts of it will implode. But again, this is gonna be very state specific. I live in the state of Texas. He lives in the state of Washington, both low tax to no tax states. I also grew up in Chicago, Illinois. Very, very polar opposite when it comes to taxing. It's not a coincidence that people are migrating from the cities where they're being taxed the most to the places where they're being taxed the least. Capital will always go where it's treated best. And the bottom line is, there's a lot of places in the US and, and, and in other places where capital isn't being treated very fairly. So that's the trend. So talk to me about how long and how big you 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 potentially see this this bull market being, right? Because um, you know, gold and precious metals ownership is 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 a lot of the time narrative based, right? We hear about you know, doomsday preppers or people holding gold for the end of the world or the collapse of the economy or the rise of socialism or whatever your fear is, right? Whatever the reason is, you have your bug out bag packed. But but this time it, it feels and looks and seems different because it's not just that narrative that's driving it. It's numbers based, as you just said. And so can you talk about in your mind what you think is is sort of the trajectory and, and, and how big this thing could get? So the bad news is we've had as, as the gentleman in the front row stated, one of the worst resource markets, bear markets ever. It's people that have been in the space for 50 and 60 years that are just frustrated, ready to throw in the towel. It's a sign of a bottom, right? It's how we know we're getting close. Um, that's the bad news. The good news is, if you look from 2011 to 2019, with the exception of a year and a half maybe, it's been, it's, it's been tough. It's been a bottoming process. And I think we're finally coming out of that Gold has broken out to new highs in 22 currencies. This isn't a one-off. This is these are global new real all-time highs. And so, back to the good news, I think this bull market that's coming up in the gold space is also going to be a longer one than we typically see. A mentor of mine likes to joke that you know he's in the business for two years out of ten. He, he takes ten years, he makes a lot of money in two years, and the other eight years he waits for the next cycle. I think it's different this time. I think this cycle will be five to seven years of higher prices. Now that comes with a warning, right? We can talk gold price predictions. I, I think you can very easily see three to $5,000 gold within the next seven years. But again, that comes with a lot of volatility. So keep some powder dry. Be prepared. What else do you wanna talk about, Gerardo? Let's talk about how to spot a mining degenerate, which is our cuddly term for the worst part of our sector. There are a lot of people in our business whose job isn't to mine a resource. It's to mine your pockets. And that goes from newsletter writers to CEOs to chairmen. We could go on and we can continue. So mm -hmm. I know this is something you're passionate about, Nick. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> we always talk about we go to these conferences, right? And we go to the bar and we say, like, we look around and say, can we spot a mining degenerate or look at all these mining degenerates, right? And it's they're usually of, trying to buy his drink, which is odd, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's sort of the underbelly of the sector, right? And it, it's what gives the, the sector... Uh, a bad name and the way these um, founders give themselves shares and where they put those shares and how they lock up those shares. And it's sort of like what nobody wants to talk about or think about in the sector. Right. And at least it's something, you know, I never knew existed until I had the, the, the curtain pulled back for me until I started. I'm doing really deep due diligence and writing checks into private placements and, and looking at the share structures and drilling down into how that was done. And so, um, 
look, it comes down to share structure. It's something that we talk about a lot that, that we've been taught a lot about. And, um, you know, you let, let, let me interrupt sure. for, for those that may not be familiar when it comes to share structure, define that for me. What do you mean? Just so, how many shares are there or, or can you what, elaborate? Yeah. How many shares there, there are at, at what price they were issued? Um, like I said, where those where those shares were, how many of the insiders own? Are they are they registered? Are they escrowed? When are they allowed to sell them? And these are questions you should ask them directly, right? In addition to you know what's your asset and what's your jurisdiction and and what's your plan. It's like how many shares do you own? How much did you pay for those shares? When are you allowed to sell those shares? Does your brother have any shares? Does your mother have any shares? Are they registered as insiders? Are you going to be, my shares are locked up. My shares are locked up while your, while your granny is blowing out millions of millions of, of shares in paper. And so these are some of the things I look for. And, and, and these are some of the things I think that have, have given me a bad taste in the, in, in, in the junior mining world. And, and one thing that's sort of you know, not worries me, but, you know, kind of sticks in my side a little bit. And you talk about the two years out of the 10 years when we have a bull market, right? And so, you know, you look at companies like, well, let's just start naming companies. I was talking to John Mark Stouty today, right? And the guy's only financed the company like like three times because they're a prospect generator. CEO um, of Riverside Resources. Riverside Resources, excellent right? project generator. Pinches John pennies. Mark Stouty, one of the good guys in the business. Low, low G&A, doesn't spend money for anything. And, and he's frustrated, right? He's got his own money in the deal. And so he came up and he gave me a hug today and he was like, I can tell I can tell you're frustrated with the space and that you're in that you have skin in the game, he said. Right. Because, you know, these guys get up here and they talk about, you know, how wonderful things are and they, they throw you the names to invest in. But it's it's not all rosy. Right. If, if, if you've been in the space, like you said, at the beginning of this, at the beginning of this podcast, you've lost some money. Right. And so the, the thing he was saying and we were talking about is, you know, when those two years do come, when that cycle does turn. Right. You know the the stocks of the mining degenerates are going to be up nearly equally with the ones that have done it right throughout the the bear market cycle and so i don't know i guess that's just the the cost of doing business in this sector but it's it's something that i think needs to be um discussed more openly and and written about more and um, I, I think that's starting to happen and and you know not not that i'm a a preacher but you know i just see things happening like what do i often cite i talk about like john pawson's fight with detour a couple of years ago and sure. how that board was you know that's absolute trash and overly compensated and and how he came in and kicked them out and look at the performance of detour since he did that or something i mentioned on stage the other night though rick rule didn't like it because i was calling for more regulation but it's like these new rules by the bc security commission to 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 give them a bit more teeth to fight against stuff like this and i think that's very much needed in the space because um not only does it give those of us who invest in it a bad taste i think it keeps capital away from people that would otherwise be willing to dabble and i think that's just one component of what's needed to 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 to, to allow junior miners to, to to turn yeah let's be honest if you know if there's a 30 year old attending this conference this year the last time they heard about anybody making money in the gold sector was probably 2010, 2011, when they were barely out of high school and wondering what they were going to do next. So think about that for a second. They have zero experience in these markets, in the junior space. And if that first experience is a negative experience, if they speculate in a company that has 10 million shares at a quarter or a tenth of a penny, and this happens, founder shares, um, and the company does good and they hit and it's good news and the share price keeps going down and they can't figure out why they're likely to turn around and say, you know what, this is not for me because the experience has been negative. It's why the crypto craze for a bit 
was that. It was a craze. It was a mania because everybody knew somebody that was making money and it was easy, right? And so, of course you want to participate in that. It could be mayonnaise or it could be crypto coins. It could be magical ponies or it could be gold. Everybody's here to make money. And if you're 30, 35, you're new to the space and your first experience is a bad one, you're probably not gonna come back. And I think it's important for those of us in the industry to call that out and, and hold each other accountable. And hey, look, we're newsletter writers. You know, we've done promotions where we think a stock could go up 10,000%. Now, it could go up 10,000% in this tough market. Absolutely, there's gonna be a lot of five cent stocks that go up to $5 and $6 and $10, but it's not the likely outcome. And so I think we all need to be more honest as newsletter writers, as, as, as venture capitalists in the space about the things that go on and, 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 and highlight the good things. Like you mentioned, John Mark Stoudy and Riverside Resources hasn't made a discovery of significance yet, but he's doing it the right way and shareholders can feel good in knowing that capital is being deployed efficiently and responsibly. And that should be the very least that we're doing in the space. So let's talk about you know promotion in the junior mining sector because I mean, it's inherent in it, right? When you, the guy who's the That's head- That's my boss. The guy, the, the guy, <laughs> the guy who's the, the, the head of the company is the promotor, right? Right. Um, and you need to do that to, to tell the market about your story, to tell investors about your plan and your vision and to attract capital into your deal and to be able to raise new capital, right? And so promotion is a very needed tool in the junior mining space because none of these companies are making any money. They're not selling anything. They're only spending money, putting in the ground, hopefully, if they're doing things right. Right. And so promotion is needed because you need to you need to raise money at higher prices to allow your your company to develop. And there's various ways you can do that. And one of the key things I think you need to identify as a, as a junior resource speculator is what is the goal of the company I'm looking at promotion? Um, are they promoting because they have a lot of cheap paper and they want to sell those shares? Um, or are they promoting because they're trying to develop a real company for all of the the, the, the shareholders and the, and the stakeholders? And so um, I guess the point I wanted to make is that you can make money in both stocks, right? Like the biggest win in my career is a 1,500% winner on a lithium stock that, that was a Frank Joostra deal, right? And we know what Frank Joostra is legendary for. And and they had Paul Matizic. His on friends? The, <laughs> the, 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 the planes he flies on? Um <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I kind of lost my train of thought. You got me, but um, Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's our typical. That's our typical fodder for bizarre world. You have to tune in to, to listen to that stuff in the, in the following weeks. And so you need to identify, um, you know, what the goal of promotion is. And in the case of Lithium X, I mean, the, the you know shares from fifteen cents to, to, to over two dollars and forty cents when they when they sold it to a Chinese firm. The share structure was was terrible. Everybody had a lot of cheap paper, but everyone made money. And so that's that's fine. You just need to identify that ahead of time and, and know what you're getting into. Am I getting into this for the promote? Or am I getting into this for the development of a company and an asset? So we agree that we don't have a problem with promoting the story. I think one of the better promoters in our business of all time is Mr. Robert Friedman. Sure. And in fairness to him, you know what he does with his promotions? He goes and he gets his companies financed. Now, I disagree with some of the ways that some of the, those assets come into his hands because I've been burned a couple of times by seeing a great asset sold at a depressed price, spun back around, finance, and then all of a sudden it's a great asset. Well, we knew it was a great asset the whole time, but you have to admit that it's effective. You look at 
the, the, the recent projects he's been able to finance and fund, it's impressive in a bear market what he's been able to do as far as putting together financing packages. And, and that brings me to another point. Um, if you're going to speculate in the junior resource space, don't wait till the middle of 2020 when everything's 300% higher. Figure out this quarter if this is the space that you want to speculate in the resource space. Because this, to me, is the absolute bottom. We'll see next year. You can all hold me accountable next year how that plays out. But I believe this is it. If you're going to be in the space, do your homework now, make a list, and figure out how long you want to be in this cycle because I, I do think this tax loss selling is the last great opportunity. So we're getting near the end. We've got probably 10 or so minutes left, and I know we want to talk about some of our top picks, but the, the transition I'll make into that is you started – um, earlier in this talk, talking about the bad news you got on your birthday, and that's likely one of your top picks and, and mine as well. And so before we get into discussing, this, discussing individual names, um, I think the point to be made is that even if uh, a company does everything right, even if the asset is great, even if the management team is great and doing the right things, what did you say at the beginning? It's an inherently risky space. I talked about it the other day, the amount of targets that get turned into mines, et cetera, and all the, the various risks in the space, the permitting risk, the jurisdictional risk, the funding risk, et cetera. And so even if you do the best due diligence and, and even if you're invested in the, in the best projects, you can't get rid of the inherent risk that's in the sector. And so maybe you want to talk about Almaden first and then we can go from there. Yeah, let, let's talk about Almaden. Um, I, I want to add one last thing on my macro rant. Um, the issue that we're having with liquidity in the overnight repo markets is a big deal that not enough people are talking about. The Fed is injecting over $100 billion overnight because banks no longer trust each other to do it. Think about that. You have an accommodative Fed. You have a president who's hell-bent on sending the stock market higher. You have negative interest rates everywhere. Um, and the Fed had to step in and say, here's $60 billion. Here's 70 billion, here's 100 billion. And it went from 12 months ago, contracting its balance sheet to within 12 months doing a complete 360. And now that balance sheet is being expanded. Now they could tell you that it's not QE. It's an expansion of the balance sheet. You could call it whatever you like. So again, I think there's, there's some powerful drivers for this gold bull market that are macro in nature. Um, it's gonna be a fun 2020. Top picks. Go ahead. Uh, I'll start with Almond and Minerals. That was the company which had its permit review process suspended. Now, again, the permit was not denied. It was, the, the, the process was suspended. And I don't want to get into the behind the scenes reasons why that happened. Um, I, I, I want to tell you what I think will happen. What I think will happen is within the next four to eight weeks, that issue is resolved favorably. I say that because I've been to the property. I've spoken with the CEO. I've spoken with the locals. There is big time local support for that project. It's a region that needs the economic benefits that project would provide. It's also one of the most responsible projects. I was there shortly after the initial discovery in 2010. And the way the company has gone about community relations should be a model for our industry. So that's why I'm confident that issue gets resolved because that permit being denied would be a big red light to me for the rest of Mexico when it comes to Mexican mining projects. So Almond and Minerals is one to watch for. What I like about it, market cap, I believe is currently in the order of 75 to $80 million. 
they bought a mint condition mill during the bear market that has a, a, a retail value of approximately $70 million, the entire market cap. They bought it for about six, $7 million in cash and, and, and share considerations. On top of that, you get four and a half million gold equivalent ounces. It's profitable, a great IRR. I think it's over 40%, a lot of exploration upside, and it's in a part of Mexico that again, wants that project to happen. So the recent pullback that we got after that uh, review was suspended, I think it's a gift. So Almaden Minerals is one that everybody should check. I know you went in the market and bought shares. I went in the market and, and bought shares as well. So obviously Almaden is a, is a company I like as well. Um, and, you know, I gave my top picks at a conference last week. I gave my top picks earlier in this conference. And so I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record, but um, I already talked about how you should have fewer companies in your portfolio and fewer names that you follow. And so when someone asked me for my top picks, there's only a, there's only a small basket of companies I'm really looking at anyway. Right. So um, sorry if it's not that diverse, but the, I'll start at the top of the, the you know bigger names, a company I really like and, and have recommended and have made money on in the past Two, two or so years. It's called Taranga Gold. No one ever believes me when I say it. No one wants to hear about Taranga Gold. Uh, they operate in, in West Africa, but they've got um, some really good mines, right? They have um, a mine called Sabadala in, in Senegal that's producing some 220 to 250,000 ounces of gold a year at something like $850 all in sustaining. Um, they're ramping up a new mine this quarter. Um, in, in Burkina Faso, that'll do 30 to 40,000 ounces this quarter as they ramp up and take them well over 300,000 ounces next year. And then they've got another um, very nice uh, exploration uh, property also in Burkina Faso called uh, Golden Hills that they're drilling 20,000 meters on right now. That's a very robust drilling program. And they, they think that's obviously gonna be a mine, right? And so um, the stock has performed well. They're bringing a new mine online. Um, expansion in ounces. The, the new mine they're bringing on has even lower costs or at least projected costs than the, the, the one that they have operating now. And you're going to have a lot of news flow from this exploration campaign. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a name I don't hear a lot about. It's a name I don't see at conferences uh, a lot, but it's a, it's a name that has, has really delivered for, for me and, and the people that subscribe to my newsletter. You got another one? I do. I mean, I, I think everybody took time to come out on a Sunday night. You made it through the weekend. I think they deserve at least a couple of more names. So I'm going to give you a couple. Um, I really love Idaho as far as jurisdiction goes, the support for mining in Idaho. And so there's two companies specifically that I own shares in. One is Revival Gold and the second is Midas Gold. Between the two companies, they have approximately nine to 10 million ounces. Resources are growing, um, great management. And I think in, in, in the new bull market that's coming, th those shares are gonna go much, much higher. Management is excellent. Um, good stewards of capital. So Revival Gold and Midas Gold. If you want exposure to a quality Mexican explorer that's not on the radar of most people because it's a newer company, Magna Gold, M-A-G-N-A. -A. The company is run by a gentleman by the name of Arturo Bonillas. All he's done the last five times he's gotten involved in a company is explored, developed, and put the deposit into production. And so I call him the Michael Jordan of mining. Michael Jordan famously had six championship rings. Arturo's going for number six. I don't believe he came out of retirement to fail on number six. And privately, and I know he won't mind me saying this publicly, he's told me he expects to do that within two to three years. So this isn't something that you're going to have to wait 10 years for. I think it happens quickly. 
he's also more comfortable as a as a developer and an operator and maybe not as so much as a, an explorer and so i think he's probably and you know more about it than i do i think going to bring in an asset in the in that space that he's more comfortable operating in it's got a deep rolodex let's put it that way and so if there's quality mexican mining projects out there to be had and there are um, he is very effective at picking them there was one topic we didn't get to. And so before we wrap up, I just want to say we haven't talked anything about uranium, except for me saying that no one went to, to Energy Fuels booth this year because everyone's hot on gold and silver. And so a top pick of mine in a large holding is a company called uh, Azarga Uranium. Yes, um, it was, you know, we were invested in URZ first and they ended up merging with Azarga to get this asset. Um, Dewey Burdock in, in South Dakota, that's um, you know, the best undeveloped in situ uranium asset in in the country. Right. And low cost, high margin. Exactly right. Um, good jurisdiction and and working its way through the permitting process. So it, very risky. Right. Risk, risk, risk. We've mentioned it enough. And so right now it's, you know, approaching the the resolution of its last contention for the NERC. Right. And so we're waiting for that in, in December. But that's jargon for they have one more thing to check off their list before they get their permit. <laughs> exactly right. And, and and we know that could go one of two ways. Right. And we've been involved in projects where it hasn't gone the way we want. And, and that's yes, the have. risk. Right. But 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 that's the risk I'm willing to take on. And so I think Azarga is a great speculation for for all the reasons we think um, uranium is due for, for a, a, a good bull run um, that are starting to fall into place now and for the, for the reasons that I think it should get a nice bounce from tax loss. And I think that, um, you know, we got a 232 uh, recommendations due out November 10th to 14th, depending on the number you read in, in which newspaper. And so I think all those things could be good catalysts for Zargo over the next three months. Um, and the share price is down significantly in the last three months. So if you loved it at higher prices, you're going to love it even more on Monday. <laughs> so I think that's all we got. We're out of time. We'll, we'll wrap up the podcast and then we'll take questions. Absolutely. Let's do it. Wrap it up. Folks, it's been fun. Live from the 2019 New Orleans Investment Conference. Mr. Hodge, thank you as always. See you. Episode 42 of Bizarro World.